hey, Tracy here, founder and host of Sexy Aging. It's a new year and I'm reflecting on the past 10 months of podcasting. Sexy Aging launched in March 2021 and I had the pleasure and honour of releasing 38 episodes of kick-ass conversations with people from all over the world. UK, US, Australia, Denmark, Malaysia, France, Canada, Scotland, Singapore and my home, New Zealand. I learnt a lot, I laughed a lot and I feel like despite the borders of my country being closed that my mind and heart expanded to that concept that ageing is a true gift and a time to celebrate. My biggest key learnings from the podcast guests include number one, to trust the science and stay curious. Number two, every person's journey to greatness has had a moment of fucked upness where an event was so traumatic that you couldn't help but change. Number three, change doesn't stop because you've hit 50. In fact, we embrace it and sometimes laugh in the face of it. So bring it on. And number four, we're all amazing, incredible and sexy in our own way. And don't you forget it. If this is the first episode for you, then I encourage you to dive into some of the other episodes which are organised into three categories, body, mind and soul. The body episodes cover the physical changes that happen to our bodies as we get older, including hormonal changes and the menopause transition. And we also discuss my favourite topics, fitness and health. The mind episodes unpack the learnings that age brings to us, letting go of the past and committing to an incredible future. Episodes include coaching, mindset shifts, stories of adversity, and goal setting. The soul episodes help us identify with our deeper calling and purpose. Guests open up and share their most vulnerable moments, hindsights, and insights to inspire us all to realize that you get one shot at life. Whether you are new to sexy aging or have been listening every week, I'd like to get to know you, the listener, more this year. This is how you can contribute. Subscribe to the podcast. It lets me know what episodes and topics you like the most. Consider giving a rating. Both Spotify and Apple Podcasts allow you to rate directly from your device. And get involved in the surveys. At the end of every episode, Spotify listeners can answer a quick question relating to the podcast episode. And send me a message or recommendation for a podcast guest to Tracy, T-R-A-C-Y, at sexyaging.com. Aging with an E. And with that, it's time to get on with the show. Talking to Patty Diner for podcast episode 40, I felt like I had met a soul sister. Self-confessed control freaks who have both realized that the second half of our lives are to be celebrated. And as my teenage daughter might say, just send it. Translated means just do it, but you knew that, right? Patty is the author of a romance novel called After the Fire, which is a dedication to the communities in California who lost so much during the fires recently. Patty will be publishing her second novel this year, and she has a podcast called Beautiful Second Act. That was the main topic of conversation for us. Getting to a stage in life where you know you only have one shot at this life, and so procrastination and doubt need to take a back seat while you get after the things you always wanted to do. Leave the legacy. I want to dedicate this episode to one of my dear friends in Malaysia, Marvesh Murad, who is helping me realize my dream of writing a book. Thank you for being patient with me. It's coming. 
Hi and good morning on the Sexy Aging Podcast. Good morning from New Zealand, but from California, what are we looking at here? Afternoon? It's about one, yeah, one o'clock. Oh, I'm getting good at this. <laughs> <laughs> hey, welcome to the podcast, Patty Diner. She's based in California. I'd like to introduce Patty because we have parallel lives, <laughs> um, which I've mentioned a few times in some episodes, how amazing it is that when you kind of hit this midlife stride that you meet other people. I think the saying is your tri your vibe attracts your tribe. Is that right? Yes, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And so um, we are in this amazing point of our life where we believe that the second half of our life is the best part of our life. And so that's pretty much today's topic um, that I'm going to be discussing with Patty. Patty is a creative entrepreneur, a retired librarian, um, author, and we're going to talk about your book, and also a podcast host of The Beautiful Second Act. Both of us have interviewed um, some people. We've shared some interviewees. Um, you guys, you've spoken to the midlife mentors. I've spoken to the midlife mentors, and of course, um, Sandy Davies in Australia. Who doesn't yeah. love Sandy? <laughs> oh, she's so fantastic. So if you if you want to be in on who we're talking about, check out both of our podcasts um, to catch up with um, the sexy Sandy in Queensland. <laughs> So after that introduction, I'd like to open it up for Patty to share a little bit about yourself, some of your background, and then we will start to get through the questions that we want to talk about today. Sounds great. Cool. Okay, so here we go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, like um, I was about to say uh, is, uh, my last name is actually pronounced Diener. And Sorry. a lot of people that no, no one gets that right because um, I can't tell you how many times I've had people think it was, oh, hello, Mrs. Denier, Mrs. Diner. Um, and they never get yeah. the Diener. And it's, it's funny because uh, it's, we get tele telemarketers all the time and that's how we can tell if they don't know who we are. <laughs> yeah. So, that's um, a good one. Yeah. <clears throat> so I am a retired public school librarian. Um, I basically dabbled in almost everything you can imagine because I get antsy. You know, some people talk about the seven year itch when it comes to marriages. I get the seven year itch when it comes to anything career oriented. Um, I think life is too short to do any one thing forever. Um, I have definitely had a creative uh, mindset since I was a child, but I've also been a nervous Nelly. Um, I've spent probably the majority of my life until I was, I'm 53 now. But when I was in my early 40s, I finally realized I'm going to die young if I don't learn to let go. I was a control freak, had no idea I was a control freak because of course, control freaks often don't see themselves that way. Um, I, I really, because I was worrying about everything in life um, that I could, could control my environment, then I could make sure that everything went my way and that nothing would go wrong in my world. And so um, even though I was outgoing and adventurous to what a lot of people thought, what I also was is internally, I was always worried about the shoe, the next shoe was going to drop or, you know, especially when it came to my family or my children. And so um, I've learned to really in the second half of life to let go and find that so many more wonderful, beautiful things are coming my way from it. And I don't really fear about the next thing um, as much as I made. Some people should think I should. 
Um, I retired early at 53, where a lot of my coworkers and some of my family and friends were like, what the hell are you doing? Uh, you know, you could have, you know, been set up better with, you know, your retirement. If you waited a few more years, what's a few more years of your life? And I said, it's a few more years of my life. That's exactly what it is. And I yeah. want to be living, doing the things that I want to be doing with my time, which was writing my books, talking to interesting people, um, being able to go on a walk if I felt like I wanted to go on a walk, getting outside in nature and instead of those controlled environment with the fluorescent lighting and you know bettering my health and just learning to explore this planet that we're on because we have this one opportunity. I didn't want to waste it anymore. So, one um, shot, baby, one shot. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm just rediscovering who I truly am at the core in the second half of life, and I'm loving it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So as you're describing sort of a little bit about your background and your personality and stuff, I'm going tick, tick, tick. <laughs> I could be you. I could be in your skin right now. So <laughs> <laughs> love it. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be awesome. I, um, I want to jump straight into the writing part because I'm obviously, I'm fascinated by people that actually do author a book and <gasps> I've just written a book. <laughs> Yay! How exciting for you! That's wonderful. But isn't it an emotional journey? Like, yes, it's so crazy. So I just want to describe because mine is in the final editing stage. So mm -hmm. it's in the final editing, and it's like, do I self-publish? Do I, uh, you know, uh, go to a publisher? Huh? That kind of sure, question. Yeah. I think I've just made a decision, but. I want to describe, and you'll probably be able to articulate this a lot better than me because you've already put out a book, but it's the journey of writing a book. So you go, oh, I've got an idea and everyone needs to hear about it. So I've got some writing skills. I'll just sit down at 4 a.m. every day and start writing. And you do, and you're on this massive emotional journey and it feels really good. And every day it feels like like you're accomplishing something because you use those quiet hours of the morning to get your thoughts down, right? So that's cool. And then you, you go, okay, I'll find someone to like read this. And then you have the first moment of doubt, right? The first moment of like, absolutely. Oh, hang on. Did I think I could actually write something? Was that like, what was, what was I thinking <laughs> that I, cause when I read it through, I'm like, oh no, <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> that I have any writing skills whatsoever. This is probably not you because you're, you're a writer. Oh no, and it's then, every writer. <laughs> yeah, okay. Writer. And then it goes, um, and then it goes up and down and up and down and then you get the imposter syndrome. So that's awesome. And then you go, oh, fuck it. I'm just going to do it. Right? Yes. Is that the journey? Yes, yes yeah. it absolutely is. You've got it. You've nailed it. And the thing is, is um, I don't know that it ever goes away. I'm part of um, a writing group. I also am um, involved with Romance Writers, Romance Writers of America. I'm also, um, you know, constantly learning and reading about the craft. And the thing is, is I think we all, to some degree, have this feeling of, um, is it good enough? So I'm really interested to hear about your writing journey, Patty. I've shared my, um, obviously, anxiety around that <laughs> but let me hear about how, how you got into writing and um getting through the process of authoring your very first book yeah sure so um first of all i gotta tell you it's definitely something that every writer goes through 
Um, and I don't care, even, even seasoned writers um, that I know, they have that same process when they're doing, working on a, a new project, you know, their work in progress can, can at first have this great idea and then it can take you off making you feel like, oh my gosh, you know, you second guess yourself. But um, the bottom line is, is you're so vulnerable when you put your work out there for anybody to read. Yeah. And when I started writing, um, you know, and, and it, most writers that are true writers will say, I've been writing since I was a kid, or I've loved writing since I was a kid. But what really propelled me to really want to do this is, um, you know, it was something that I've wanted to do for myself. And, you know, through raising children and all the adulting that goes along with that and, you know, being responsible for everybody else's needs. It was hard for me to, to kind of niche out some time for myself during the day. So I just never figured it was going to happen for me. And by the time I was 40, I mean, and I went through some serious depressions in my life too. Um, you know, major, you know, people would call it a midlife crisis. Yeah. I had my first one when I was 33. <laughs> and, <laughs> Early yeah. crisis. Yeah. Yes. And then I had another one when I turned 40. So, and it wasn't because I was turning 40, it was just the way it was. But the bottom line is, is I realized if I really wanted something, if you want something bad enough, you make the time. You have to tell yourself it's okay and give yourself that grace and give yourself that, that reason that you are important enough to be considered worthy of time away from everybody else's needs. And I just lived in guilt for so long. Finally got rid of the guilt and sat down and my husband was like, look, you can't stop in the middle of you trying to write all the time to cook the dinner or to clean the house or to deal with whatever we need. Mm. Why don't you just go get a hotel room somewhere for a few days and just get the hell out of here and go write. And it was just like hearing that permission, you know, and someone will be like, you don't need permission from anybody. And honestly, I didn't, but I feel like I needed that validation from my family that I was also worthy of that of that time for me, my, that me time. So once I started writing, I couldn't stop. Um, we had a terrible um, tragedy in our community, which was the Valley Fire. It burned over a thousand homes. In the I know. Summer. Yeah. So I was writing a different piece when I went away on that first, you know, getting away from the family to, to do that me time. And I was writing for a competition. I thought, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enter this, comp this writing competition and it's going to make me feel good. And I couldn't focus on it. I couldn't focus on it. I was writing about this uh, period piece for World War II about my grandfather. And I couldn't, I couldn't get into it. So I put it aside and I just started writing about the Valley Fire. And before you know it, I had the outline of this romance that my characters were to the Valley Fire, what Jack and Rose were to the Titanic. Oh, wow. <laughs> and it just it just morphed. And yeah. once I was off and running and I started going to conferences and I started meeting people that, that were in the writing community, I loved, I loved who I was with these people. I loved who I was that I was independent away from the life I created at home. It was still, it was, it was all about me and in the world that I created with these people. And it just, it just, was so contagious and so exhilarating. I just couldn't, I couldn't get enough of it. I just wanted more and more and more. So that's how I started my writing career. Um, I'm 53. I did not publish my first novel until um, 2019. Okay, um, recent, but, pretty recent. Yeah, but now I've finished my second novel and the first one I did independently. 
And I I learned a lot about TradPub in the process because I told myself I was going to do traditional publishing. But when it came down to it, you know, it takes a while to get that going. And the people of my community, I'd already had a following. I'd already um, started a blog about my writing process and why I was writing the book for my people of my community and all the things that went through it. Um, the, uh, The independent stories from the people that I interviewed in order to write this book were so heart-wrenching, but also so beautiful Mm. that the stories kind of built up on their own. And I had these people waiting for this book. So I thought, I'm just going to, I'm just going to independently publish this book. That in itself was a journey. Excuse me. That in itself was a journey. Learning all the steps you have to learn to publish independently and it is a great deal of blood sweat and tears but in the end it was so worth it this next book I'm definitely um, going to do traditionally though because I need a team behind me you want to have some people to support you it's hard to do it alone but I tell you what I don't regret it for a single second yeah oh it sounds amazing I'm so inspired by what you've just said and your book is called the one that you've actually got out is called after the fire so yes. yes, inspired by the um, tragedy of the fires in California, I saw a lot on the news from Malaysia about that. So, and I have friends based in California, they were also affected by the fires. So I think it is when you can write about a topic that's like right on your doorstep, it becomes, um, you know, really um, sort of like you can cathartic for very you in pers- some ways very, isn't it yes very cathartic yeah. very personal well my husband is yeah. a retired battalion chief so during those fires he was out there fighting these yeah. and he was gone for one point I didn't see him for three days and you just don't Whoa. know where he is or what's oh. going on yeah and it's really it's hard on on a family so um that kind of perspective is also in the book and I had to write that again for the people that I knew were going through these things. So, and it's also just a love letter to um, all of the emergency responders and all the way down to um, dispatchers. People don't even think about what dispatchers have to go through while they're sitting there listening to all this stuff going down on, on the phone calls. And they have to call, you know, and tell the people where to go. They're instructing who needs what, where, and they're having to take on this and it's emotional, personal baggage, but they yeah. have to, conduct themselves in a professional manner it's very difficult so after the fire is that a romance novel because you are a it romance writer is. oh it certainly is so sticking to so, your strengths <laughs> yeah I I wanted to make sure that I wrote this as a positive in the end I wanted it to be a love story to the community and I wanted to give them a happy ending from all of the terrible things that they were going through they needed that happy ending so badly Oh, I love that so much. Yeah. Hey, I actually have started following your blog. And um, so just reading a little bit, a few of your posts and your journey for your next book, are you actually sharing what it's called and what it's about? Or are we not talking about it right here? <laughs> oh, no, I'm definitely open to talking about it. So my next book is has nothing to do with fires. <laughs> I have to get done. completely away from Yes, I had to get away from fires, although a lot of the people that have read my first book are waiting for the sequel. And I said, you know, I have plenty of material because we've had so many fires, but um, I just couldn't stomach it for a while. I needed something more fun and something that was a little bit more exciting that was not tragic. 
And so my next book is called The Clock Tower of Maple Creek. It's the first book in a proposed trilogy. And I'm very excited because I love my characters. Yeah. And um, it's about a small town in Kentucky. That's like a bedroom community to Lexington. And it is um, about two women that are basically from different generations, a grandmother and a granddaughter who are running a town and they are going through lost loves. Uh, they've had uh, all kinds of issues with you know, each of them in their own right, but it revolves around their small community because the granddaughter's the mayor. The, oh, okay. grandmother, the grandmother is an iconic figure from the community and um, they are restoring a Victorian town back to its, its original glory. And it all revolves around an iconic clock tower. And so um, it's, it's definitely got romance on both ends from the, the older generation with the grandmother and her yeah. love interests and the younger yeah. generation of the, the young mayor and her love interests. So oh, it's it been sounds cool. Exciting. And I yeah. love my villain, if you will. Um, and, uh, <laughs> the, the, he is definitely a, a, a really good looking man, very charming, but devilish and devilishly handsome. But he's in there that in the middle of her campaigning for her second term, he comes in with a New York uh, real estate developer that wants to buy up half of the town. Hmm. Okay, so, well, I'm actually just listening to you describe your characters, and it actually sounds like you're talking about people that you personally know. So I'm kind of an I feel aura. like I do. <laughs> yeah, I'm an aura of you, you, like the description of the people in the town and everything. It's like it's you can, I can now see, you know, someone who writes fiction, how they develop the story in their head where it becomes almost real. And then the reality of the vision in your head becomes words. So it's, it's just awesome to watch. And we're talking through a screen. How cool is that? <laughs> <laughs> well, they always um, say that your first, your first draft is you telling yourself the story. And then after that, you really get to know who your characters are and you build onto that. And I've, I've really, that's my favorite part of storytelling is character building and and building uh you know learning who are these people and and when you fall in love with your own characters and they even surprise you as you're writing that's the beauty of writing to me yeah did you ever think in your younger years that you would ever write a book so you Certainly always when, always knew always when, wanted to okay yeah. so why is it that when you kind of hit 40 and 45 plus or midlife as we're going to call it why is it that we suddenly start to really bring these things to life? Why do you think that is? Oh, for me, I can be honest with you. I felt like I was running out of time. Yeah. I felt like I truly felt like my dreams. That's why I was so depressed because I think most of it was I had postpartum depression um, in my earlier years and um, I was undiagnosed. Yeah. And then, um, then you start thinking, okay, you now you're getting the kids are raised. Now, is it finally my time? Is it my turn? And then you start thinking, well, how many good years do I really have left? And instead of being depressed about that, I, I realized I had to turn that energy around from being scared and depressed into being full of life and energy and, and gratitude for, I'm, I'm in good health. I have, you know, I have a roof over my head. I have income. I have no reason why I can't start living my dreams. This is, this is our time. We've done all the things, you know, and some of us are dealing with aging parents. Some of us say, well, I really don't have the time. I can't do these things because I have these responsibilities. 
I say you have friends. You can, you can get people to help you out when you need to. We all need to be able to live our best life in the second half of life. Because once we hit midlife, it does go by faster, doesn't it? And yeah, it does. Like on, it flies. Like we're, on, that we're starting to speed. We're catching, we're catching you know, the wind in our hair. We're picking up speed as we're coming downhill. But it is also glorious. You're feeling energized by coming down that hill so fast. It's like, I want to catch everything. I get up earlier now. I stay up later. I enjoy every moment because I want to live fully. And I, yeah, I really think that that's what happened to me is when I hit 40, I want to say I was about 42 when I said enough of this shit. I yeah. am going to stop worrying about the running out of time. I'm going to stop feeling guilty about everything. I'm going to live fully and I'm loving how I feel now. Oh, it just sounds amazing. Um, I think I probably had a little bit later, maybe a few years later, but sort of in the thick of um, perimenopause. <laughs> you know, I had to go through Don't that you moment. love it? Oh, fantastic. <laughs> Done quite a few episodes on that, actually. <laughs> but this is not that conversation. So, um, but I just noticed that, you know, perimenopause, well, I just will mention it does bring up for women. Um, a lot of questions around what's going on with my life and am I doing everything that I'd hoped to do? So you've probably, you've had a lot of conversations through your podcast. So I'll just tap into that right now. Your part, sure. podcast is called Beautiful Second Act and you interview people around the turning point, obviously, the moment that they're inspired to actually chase their dreams and realize that we only have a finite amount of time so I just want you to share with us a little, maybe some of your favorite um, conversations and things that you've learned. Um, you've obviously learned a lot through these conversations and I can hear it because you're already sharing it with us. But just share some of the most favorite um, episodes that you've, uh, or people that you've interviewed for the podcast. And sorry, another question. Um, why did you start a podcast? <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, let's just start with why I started a podcast. Yeah, that's um, a good obviously one. During 2020, when everybody was coming to a screeching halt, I was in a um, very life-sucking job working um, in public education. And I will tell you, it didn't start that way. I loved my job. When I became a librarian, it was like a dream come true. I mean, who wouldn't want me talk about being, you know, like so cliche, the writer that becomes the librarian or the librarian that becomes the writer. I mean, hello, they just all kind of fit together. Right? Beautiful. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was a great marriage. I, I enjoyed what I did, but then public education really started turning on me. And um, the powers that be were just not making me feel like I was on my right life's path. I no longer felt like I was aligned with my purpose. Um, I was no longer able, I wasn't teach. it was no longer about teaching kids to read, helping children to navigate a library, helping them to learn what it is that they should be, um, you know, finding their love of reading. They, they weren't finding their love of any of that because it was all about teaching to the test. It was all of these, and I could go on, I could yeah. do a whole podcast on that. But the bottom line is, is when 2020 came, I almost felt, did I cause this? <laughs> I mean, <sighs> in my brain, in my brain, I'm yeah. thinking, I, God, did I wish this upon myself? Did I wish? Oh my gosh, everything's coming. Maybe I need to really dig deep. I mean, talking yeah. about being narcissistic, I was thinking, is this all about me? Uh, <laughs> <but> <laughs> I was like, okay, God has given me or universe or spirit or whatever, 
I have, I have attracted this in my life that is, is my time to really dig deep. What is it that I want to be doing? So I started listening to podcasts and then I got sick and I didn't know why I got sick and nobody seemed to have any answers for me and found out that I was having some sort of an attack to my thyroid by some sort of virus. They still mm -hmm. don't know what it was. Hell, I could have had COVID, who knows? And um, so I was literally so weak, I was just laying around. And I'm listening to more podcasts. And I ended up getting through the whole, you know, I, and it's seen endocrinologist. It's like, oh my God, here it comes. Midlife, I'm seeing all these doctors now, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it turned out that my body ended up fixing itself. I didn't go on any medications for it, but I still was scary. You know, all these things were changing. And the podcast to me brought me home to myself. It helped me learn about who I was. It helped me to change my trajectory into, well, if, if not this, if not this librarian thing, what do you really truly want to be doing? And it allowed me that time to slow down as a lot of us had no choice but to slow down and really think about what did I want to do? Hence the whole great resignation that people are talking about nowadays. Yeah. And um, so I started planning. I started feeling better, but I started planning. I said, I'm going to retire early. Um, my family wasn't really behind me on it. My friends thought I was nuts, but I knew what I wanted. And the podcast thing, I told myself in 2021, because I started in May of 2021 with Beautiful Second Act podcast, that if, um, if I could come up with a reason to have the podcast, I would do a podcast too, because I enjoyed the conversations I was hearing by the mm. people I was following. And I thought, you know what? It will help me. Everything I talk about is stuff that I'm learning myself. I don't share with anybody on my podcast stuff that I'm not learning for myself. I'm going along on the journey with everybody along the way. Yeah. And that's um, <clears throat> a question you had about who are some of my favorite interviews. I've had so many fantastic people on there, but my very first person I interviewed was a gal named Willow Starr, who was formerly known as Carrie, and she changed her name. And she said she changed her name because it just suited her and she was tired of you know being somebody she wasn't. She's a stage four cancer survivor and blowing the doors off of all of Western medicine, people saying that she should, she should be dead, right? Uh, they don't, basically told her to get her affairs in order and she was going to die. And five and a half years later, and she's healthier now, no lesions on, because she had, um, I always say this wrong, metastatic breast cancer, or is it metastatic? Yeah. I always say it wrong. The boss, but you know what I'm saying. So basically it had already um, metastasized to her liver. She already had, you know, wow. she had tumors in her, in her liver. They didn't think she was gonna survive. By changing, she left her marriage. The first thing she did was, I have to get out of this toxic relationship. She left her marriage, she changed her diet. She only went on a couple of the things that Western medicine recommended she do. She fired two oncologists before she found the one that worked for her. And she has this huge following now and her name is Willow Star. So she was my absolute favorite first. Oh. I will give her because she kicked it off. She kicked off Beautiful Second Act by live your true authentic life. You don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. You have to live your true self, your true life right now. And she says cancer saved her life. So yeah, that, I mean, if you're going to get a kick up the ass, that's going to do it, isn't it? Talk to someone yes. like that. And yeah, I agree with you. Like the whole podcast thing, you know, I started in March last year and it was really about I had a lot of questions and I was like you going through things personally 
that I just wanted to have conversations with someone. Um, so I thought, hey, look, if, I'm, if I've got these questions and I want to have these conversations, maybe, maybe other people out there might want to listen in or maybe they have the same questions. And that's really where it just came from is like, I, I want to speak and have a conversation with someone who's kind of feeling or experiencing the same way. Um, and also, uh, you know, my podcast, I also talk to experts in the health and wellness um, industries because I have some science questions that I need asked as well. Um, but it's just, it's like you, it's like I, I want to just talk with people and connect with people and, and help other people at the end of the day, right? Absolutely. And like you said, you know, it's getting to know people that have like-mindedness. I mean, if you're like-minded with someone and it makes you feel good, I love the energy that's exchanged between people that get excited about what they do. And I love learning. I, lo I will be a lifelong learner. I love to learn. Um, San Sandy Davies is hilarious, but she's also so intelligent. We, we both interviewed her, um, the midlife mentors. Uh, Dr. Madison Fandel, she is a fantastic naturopathic doctor. She's out of Pacifica, California, near San Francisco. She is full of information about um, joint regeneration and oh, cool. hair restoration and uh, collagen and not just for your skin, but for your joints and uh, bi bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. These are the types of things that we need to know as we're aging. And yeah. you know, I asked her this question, so what types of things do you do in your practice that can help people that are in midlife and beyond? And she laughed and said, all the things. All the things, yeah. <laughs> because as we're aging, we need all the all things. All of it, yeah. <laughs> I know, I like, I've actually made a list of things that I need. I actually use an app, a habit app for mm -hmm. my wellness because there are certain things I need to do to maintain a feeling generally really good everyday feel okay so it's stuff like I have to go to bed by nine I can't use my phone after eight um, I drink green tea every day I um, meditate journal do yoga exercise try not to eat sugar try not to drink during the week so I have this app that tracks Your everything checklist. for me and it helps yeah. You, yeah and sometimes I find out something else that's going to help me and it's about healthy aging and longevity right that's kind of what I'm aiming for I want to live to 105 something that that's a good goal um yeah and so I keep looking at what else can I add to all the things <laughs> which is also not going to mess with my head or mess with my day too much so it's got that that balance where you know you've got this um this checklist of things but they can't like take over if, like if you're a control freak like we are it's it's really hard when someone interferes with that checklist <laughs> yes <laughs> right it is hard it's like especially if you get adapted a routine when you once you adapt a routine and you start feeling like it's working for you you yeah. know you go on vacation and it throws it out the door and you're like oh no so how can I keep <laughs> my structure you know and that's when you're like okay stop over analyze everything yeah but we do have certain things that we want to keep and take along with us on vacation like I meant it to I was just back yeah. I was in Arizona for a couple of weeks Every morning I made sure I told whoever I was with, I was like, okay, I have to go by myself for a little while. And I would go outside and sit in a lounge chair and meditate. Or I would say, okay, you know, I'm not going to eat before 11 a.m. So everybody's like, are you hungry? Are you hungry? I'm like, I'm actually not hungry just yet. So um, there were certain things that you do take with you on vacation. But then if you have the cake or if you have the extra wine or whatever, you stay up yeah. later than you want to. These are things we have to learn to be flexible about. Yeah. There goes the dogs. I told you I have dogs. 
another podcast with dogs featured <laughs> love it so yeah so I mean I'm with you about that I've got one other question for you um you're probably you probably got some friends that you talk to and you can see that they're going through the whole midlife questioning because there's a lot of sort of anxiety and there's and they'll verbalize multiple questions all at once that kind of aren't linked, right? That's that conversation where you know that they're starting to think, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what happens now? What kind of advice would you give to someone in the trenches of questioning what's going to happen to me now? What's your advice? Well, because that was me. Um, and that's how I was for so long. The, the first thing that I always tell them is, okay, so first stop thinking about tomorrow so much. Let's calm you down and think about in the moment for a second, because we, we, you can always go back to the thinking about tomorrow later. First, I always say calm, and I say this because a lot of my friends are just the same way as I was. Let's think about how you feel right now. How are you feeling in your body? How is it the way you're feeling right now? How are you feeling? It in, are you feeling it in your chest? Are you feeling mm. it in your stomach? Are you feeling it in your head? Okay, now relax that. And then when they're like, okay, yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but. So then, okay, prioritize. I'm a big list maker. I love lists. I love checking things off lists. But I also know that it's never as bad as we envision. It never is. So yeah. meditation has saved my life. I'm huge on envisioning the best scenario. The, the thing, whenever I would go into panic mode or think I'm running out of time, I'm never going to be able to do these things. Or um, now we have lockdown. I'm never going to make it to Italy. <laughs> you know, all these it's like, okay, I see a whiteboard and I e literally erase the vision that was bad. And then I project, now show me what I want to see. Yeah. Show me, show me the best scenario. And instead of getting so wrapped up in the politics of things or the worrying of things, we don't always know what's best. We think we do, especially as control freaks, but it's easier to just say, pray for the highest good. You don't know what it is, but just say, I pray for the highest good, whatever that looks like, whatever that actually is. And I tell you, um, a couple of the, the biggest spiritual teachers that I, I really love have said these things, praying for the highest good, you know, Dr. Wayne Dyer, um, uh, Gabby Bernstein, and uh, another thing that I've really adopted that has helped me immensely to slow down the mind hamster wheel that just goes and goes and goes, or as my stepmom calls it, you know, stop masturbating with your brain because it's yeah. like you can't stop playing with it. Leave it alone. You can't, you stop touching it. Stop, stop messing with the brain. Let it go because it's, it's not going to be, it's not going to serve you. It will not help you. So what Gabby Bernstein says is, okay, when she prays in the morning, she's got this mantra of what would you have me do? Where would you have me go? Yeah. What would you have me say? And to whom? Just let it be. Let it go all as well. And it's the only way that I can advise anybody to get through when you are thinking all those thoughts. I mean, and let's be honest, life sometimes is a bitch. You could yeah. have parents that are ill. You could be, you could be caring for some, we have people that have lost loved ones just recently because of this mess we're in. We have people that are losing loved ones because they're aging. Um, you know, I have a friend who lost her child a couple of years ago. We're not supposed to outlive our children. Yeah. It sucks sometimes. But you, the only way we can get through it is to stay in the moment, to learn to live in gratitude. And that has truly saved my life. 
Oh, Patty, I really adore everything that came out of your mouth just then. <laughs> and Gabby Bernstein, yep, high fives to Gabby. Um, my previous podcast interview was actually about gratitude. So the right one before this. So I feel like kicking off our stride in 2022 is we're all on the same page. It's like, be really grateful for what you have right now and manifest what you want for the future and then let it be, right? That's kind of like yes. the steps. Don't yeah. strangle it. Yeah, that's who I was yeah. before was I was the strangler. I was the one that was the hand wringing person. I was the one that would be so fearful of something that I would hold on to things so tightly. I was literally strangling it. And um, that's no way to live. It's not yes. good for your health. It's not going to help us live longer. And I wasn't enjoying the moment because I was so afraid of what happened next. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, thanks, Patty. I actually am going to throw out a few random questions for you because um, I want to get to know you a little bit better. So, um, fantastic. Okay. Are you ready? Are you ready for this? Sure. Um, Let's go. Okay. Being a writer, what's your favorite book? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. So, there are way too many to really list, but I will tell you if I had only one and I was stuck on an island and I had to read it over and over again, it would be The Celestine Prophecy. Oh, yes. Game changer for me too. I read it in yes. my 30s and I just went, Yes, I did too. Hey. <laughs> yes, that's probably coming. my favorite all-time book of, of I've ever read. Absolutely. Wow, that was a good one. Okay, favorite song. <laughs> oh, I don't know that I have one. I'm one of those crazy people that wake up in the night or wake up first thing in the morning and I have a song playing in my head. I have no idea where it came from. Um, so honestly, I cannot come up with a favorite song. I have too many. I am a music lover. I'm an yeah. addict of music. Yeah. But okay. So what do you what What's the first thing that's popping into your head right now? Who's your favorite artist? Oh, I don't have a favorite artist. But the first thing that I thought of this morning when I woke up was uh, Tom Petty's um, American Girl. American Girl. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know why it came in my because I hadn't heard it on the radio recently, but it yeah. just popped into my head this morning. And I actually have had that happen to me a couple of times recently, but I'd not heard it like I hadn't played it myself. I hadn't heard it on the radio myself recently. It just came up. So I don't know why. Yeah. Well, I <laughs> wonder where that came from. Okay. I have no um, idea. Other than your own podcast, um, what's your favorite podcast? Or what's a couple of recommended podcasts? Okay, well, for starters, I absolutely love um, Dr. Wayne Dyers. Although he's passed, he does have a podcast that they have produced and they air. Love it. Um, I also love uh, Kathy Heller's show. She's fantastic. Yeah. She's a great uh, spiritual, uh, like, sh she's, she's really a great teacher, even though she doesn't proclaim herself to be a spiritual teacher. She truly kind of is. And she helped me when her show used to be called uh, Don't Keep Your Day Job. That's when I decided, you know what? Screw this shit. Life is too short. I'm going to do what I love to do. So those yeah. are a couple of course, Gabby Bernstein's too, though. Dear Gabby. Yeah, awesome. I'm going to pop those in the show notes as well. Okay, quick fire. Coffee or tea? Oh, coffee. Okay. Mojito uh, or margarita? Say, so I couldn't hear the first one. Mojito or margarita? Oh, margarita, but on the rocks, not, uh, not blended. <laughs> Oh, okay. Uh, summer or winter? Summer for sure. I do oh. not like to be cold. <laughs> yeah, me neither. That's why I lived in the tropics for 20 years. Um, and you're obviously a dog lover. So we got that one sorted. <laughs> I do. I love dogs. Although sometimes they're a pain in my butt, but I love them in my family. Hey, Patty, I've absolutely loved interviewing you for Sexy Aging. And thank you so much for your words of wisdom. 
Um, very inspired by you and I look forward to talking to you again soon. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Sexy Aging. Every episode leaves me feeling more educated and inspired. If there is a topic that you would like to hear about or a person you believe would make a great guest for Sexy Aging, then drop me an email, tracy, T-R-A-C-Y, at sexyaging.com or direct message to the Sexy Aging Instagram or Facebook accounts.